How many people are ready for Easter? How many people, uh, it, it seems like that, uh, well, I guess it doesn't seem like it actually is. Um, it's a lot later this year. Uh, people have already been on, how many people have already had your spring break or you're coming off a of spring break? All right. Uh, I'm jealous uh, because our daughter, we live in Ohio, and their spring break is not until after Easter. Uh, so we are still like three weeks away from, from her spring break. And so all your pictures and everywhere that you've been, I would say I've been just a little bit bitter uh, because you've been out having a, a good time and I have to wait. Uh, but uh, sometimes they say good things come to those who wait, right? Uh, so we're going to start our um, uh, scripture, our uh, series this morning talking about the glory of Easter. Uh, we begin to look at, in Mark chapter 14, uh, how that uh, there's a story there that really sets the scene for Easter. Uh, when we talk about the word glory, we talk about what that really means is full expression. Full expression. You see, when God created us, He had glorious in mind. How many people know that God created you to be glorious? He did. He created us to be glorious. When He sees us, He sees fullness. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When God created us, He intended for us to have full life. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Unfortunately, there are things in, in, in our life that we are not experiencing fullness. There are things that, that happen and things that we go through and the way that God intended us to live that we're not experiencing the fullness or the glory that He intends us for, for us to have. When, this time of year, we begin to celebrate the cross. We celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the ascension. But this morning, we want to realize and, and, and understand that it didn't start at the cross. The plan that God had for redemption for all of mankind because of the fall of, of Adam and Eve in the garden did not start at the cross. It actually started at Gethsemane. That's where it started. You see, because if Jesus doesn't have that moment, if He doesn't have that moment in the garden, if He doesn't have that not my will, but thine be done moment, then nothing else ever happens. We never make it to the cross. There is no rest of the story. The word Gethsemane actually means oil press. And if you look up what an oil press actually is, it's a machine that uses friction and continuous pressure to move and to compress the seed material. Friction and continuous pressure. How many people would say that you've had some friction in your life? How many people feel that, that you live under continuous pressure? Well, the realization is, is, is sometimes and most of the time, anytime we're in pressure, what do we want? We want to get out, right? We want to get out of that pressure. But sometimes I believe that that, that pressure 
is from God because God wants a resurrection in you. But it's going to take going through Gethsemane. It's going to take you going through some pressure and some friction. And it's going to start your resurrection moment in your life is going to start with you saying, God, it's not what I want, but it's what you want. In Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through verse 36, we read the story when Jesus went to the garden. It says, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He was going through some pressure here. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther, and he fell to the ground. And he prayed, if it were possible, that the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. So in that moment, just as, as in our life, as we're wanting to escape the pressure, we're wanting to, to get out of and end the friction and the pressure, Jesus did the same thing. He said, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. But he didn't stop there. You see, in our life, that's where we stop. God, take it away. I don't want it anymore. I'm tired of it. It's destroying me. It's awful. It's an awful hour, just as he said. But then Jesus finished by saying, Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. And if we could ever get to that point, that we don't stop here, but we finish the prayer. God, I want your will. When you begin to look, look at what surrender is, the first thing I want to tell you is what it is not. Surrender isn't quitting. Surrender is not giving up. When you think about it and you think, well, I surrendered. I gave up. You know, we've seen the movie. You know, I surrender. I give up. But actually, surrendering is not quitting, but it's submitting. It's submitting. You see, things that we respect and we submit to, we can receive from. What is the fullness of surrender? What is the glory of surrender? Well, the first thing is, is surrender is believing. It's believing. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Surrender is believing. How many people are into essential oils? Oh, man. There was one time that my... Not too long ago, my wife decided, I want to start selling these things. And just to be honest, when I would walk into somebody's house and they would have them things burning, I'm like, man, it stinks. And then she comes to me 
And she says, I, I want to start selling this stuff. And I said, honey, it's voodoo. You want to sell voodoo juice? And so she gives me all the lowdown, and I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, here's my $150, or your $150. It's, it's, it's our money, okay? Almost slept on the couch right there. She works harder than I do. <laughs> Love you, honey. But she gets this thing, and, and she starts having all these oils. And, and so I'm, one night I'm actually laying in bed. And I've got the worst headache that I think I'd ever had. And I'm sitting there wanting some sympathy. You know, I'm wanting her to, you know, like rub my temples or something. And all of a sudden she jumps out of bed and she runs over and she starts doing something. And then she, the lights are out. And the next thing I know she comes over and she starts rubbing. You say, which way is it this way? It doesn't matter for your head, okay? Sometimes you have to rub clockwise. Sometimes it's counterclockwise. I always have to get the memo. Now, how am I supposed to do this? So she comes over, and she starts rubbing this on me. And I'm like, what are you doing? And all I can do is I can just smell peppermint, which made me happy because peppermint patty is probably my favorite. So I'm thinking, okay, I still have a headache, but at least I smell like chocolate, peppermint. But in a, a matter of minutes, my headache started going away. Now, I don't know exactly how or why, but this is a good promo to help her business. But at that moment, I started to have just a little bit of faith in this voodoo stuff. At that moment, that $150 didn't seem like a big deal to me at all. And so now I'm to the point that I was struggling with something uh, I, sinus drainage. And it feels like I've got something right there. If you're around me and it, over the last little bit, you hear me go, <clears throat> I know it has to get on your nerves because it gets on mine. I was at the house last night, and I, <clears throat> my mom said, you're going to have to go to the doctor. And I said, I don't need to. I've got voodoo juice. <laughs> I'm sitting here struggling with this, and I look at her and I said, isn't there some kind of mixture for this? And she starts looking up, and sure enough, she made me a little bottle, and, and I, I, I don't know, I forgot it this morning, um, but it's a little bottle, and I just take it out and rub it on my throat. And it helps. But as I begin to go through this, and, and, and I started believing, and that believing led to action. At first, I didn't believe in it. And now I'm going around carrying a, a vial of this stuff all the time because I believe in it. Jesus in the garden, when he comes to this point, he, he had a, a decision to make. Did he believe in the plan? Did he believe? I mean, he submitted himself fully because he believed. He could have called for thousands of angels to come and rescue him. But here's the deal. Believing isn't really believing until you eliminate all the options. Until you eliminate all the options. You can say you believe, but then you have other options just in case. Well, I believe in you, God, but just in case I've got this thing over here. 
I believe in these essential oils, but just in case, I've got an 800 milligram ibuprofen over here. Do I really believe? And in our life, that's what happens. Believing's not really believing until you say, God, you are all I have. God, there's nothing else. I'm trusting in nothing else. I have no other plans, no other options. That's truly submitting. That's truly believing. You see, because when you surrender, it always leads to lordship. What do you mean by that? What I'm saying is, is that the Lord of your life is where you go first and most. Whatever you consider Lord, that's where you go. Whatever you believe in, that's where you run to. When a child gets hurt, whatever they believe in, the parent that they really believe in, that they know is going to to help fix their problem, that's where they run to because they believe. And the same thing is true in our life. Jesus went to the garden often to pray, to commune with His Father. Why? Because He was first and foremost in His life. Secondly, surrender is understanding that God knows better than me. That's tough, isn't it? Oh, we can say it. We can say, you know, we're not really that smart. How many people would, would, would just agree with me today that, that you might just be a little bit stubborn? Anybody? I see husbands looking at wives and wives looking at husbands. I need to have you hold your hand up again because I need to scan the crowd because I know who you are. And I want to make sure you're telling the truth. Or we'll have deliverance prayer at the end. But we're stubborn. Many of us believe, whether we say it with our mouth or not, we think that we know more than God. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. We can read this verse, but we don't back it up with our actions. God, you know more than I do. God, you know better than me. How many people have ever fought God before? Oh, come on. We all have. We fought Him. We've had arguments with Him. And sometimes we think that we've won. Because God lets us have what we thought was better. Now, if I were to take a survey and that happened in your life, I would say that 110% of the time, you didn't win. Because what we thought was better, Isaiah says that it wasn't. Because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. God knows better than us. But if you keep fighting him, you're able to get what you ask for. You ever have your child wants something and you know it's not good for them but they just keep nagging and nagging and nagging and finally you're like do it just do it Risa likes pickles dill pickles she loves them Christy was out of town this weekend and I was a single father on Thursday night and Reese said I want some pickles. I said, okay. 
I'm laying on the couch, sitting in the chair. I don't remember. She's sitting at the table. I'm watching the Reds lose again. And I just hear crunch, 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 crunch. And it seemed like for like 30 minutes, it was just crunch, crunch, crunch. And I thought, you know what? I say, Reese, you've had enough pickles. Dad, they're so good. Crunch, 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 crunch. At that point, the Reds probably got somebody on second base, and I forgot all about it. Reese, you've had enough pickles. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Before it was over, I don't even think I've told her mom this, but almost the whole jar of pickles were gone. And I said, I got up finally, and I said, you've ate almost the whole jar. I told you to stop. Dad, they were so good. Ten minutes later, Dad, my stomach hurts. We do God the same way, don't we? God says, no, and we say, yes. God says, do it this way. God, I want it that way. And sometimes we override what God says, and we do it our way anyway. And then what happens? In the end, we realize, hey, maybe God's idea was just a little bit better. Thirdly, surrender always begins with humility. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. How many people sing that song when you get out of bed in the morning? How many people have never heard that song? I'm looking at this rope. Have you heard it? Are you awake? Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble. You know, humility is something that's hard for us all. But surrender begins with humility. You're not going to submit to something that you think that you know more than. Let me say that again. You're not going to submit to something that you think that you know more than. And for some of us, we have went down the path of thinking that we knew more than God. And we're going down that path. And at some point we have to realize and we have to admit that we were wrong. And humility begins with saying, God, you were right. God, you were right. God, I was wrong. And when you get to that point, when you can admit that you're wrong, when you can admit that God knew more than you did and knew better than you did, when you can admit that, then you're on the way. You're on your way to fully surrendering. Some of you this morning, you just need to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I I need to get out of this. God, you were right. God, forgive me. Put me back on the path that you have laid out before me. You see, the enemy wants you to believe that once you get off of that path, that there's no way to get back on it. He wants you to believe that once you mess up, that once you make a wrong turn, that you might as well just keep on driving. But what God wants you to know is, there's always a way to get back on path. There's always a way. If you make a wrong turn, 
and you're following a GPS and you make a wrong turn, there for a while it'll just say recalculating. Because it's, that GPS is trying to tell you how to get back on the path or the road to get to where you need to go. And some of us in life, we just need to realize. Now, this is where humility comes in. Because most men think that they, they, they know better than the GPS. And so when they go a different way, and that thing starts saying recalculating, what do we, what do, we do? We turn it off. Shut up. Siri, I know what I'm doing. Six men just got bruised ribs from their wife. But we do the same thing with God. But men, your life will be so much better. When your wife's telling you to, you need to listen to that thing, it's there for a reason. Your life will be so much better that when you realize that you should have listened to that thing, you, you look at your wife and say, honey, I was wrong. You were right. It's humbling, isn't it? But that's what God says. He says, when you go, start going down the wrong path, you need to realize, just say, God, you're right. God, I was wrong. Put me back on the path. God, I'm surrendering to you. Surrendering is also trusting what God has is better for me. Trusting that what God has, that where God is leading you is better than where you're taking yourself. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, it says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, discarding its shame. Now, he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. It said that Jesus endured the cross. That thing that he prayed, God, take it away from me. The writer of Hebrews said he endured it. He went through it. He disregarded the shame of, of what it meant in that society to, to hang on a cross. He disregarded that. But now, now, he is seated at the place of honor, the right hand of God's throne. He knew that where God was leading him, the path that he was going down, he surrendered, he submitted to that Because he knew what God was taking him and where he was taking him. Sitting at the right hand of God was a much better place than living on this earth. And Jesus submitted to that. He surrendered to the cross. He saw the other side of the garden. He was able to, to look past the old press. He was able to look past the friction and the pressure. He looked past it. And he had the joy of, of pleasing his father. Because he knew what was on the other side. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thank God, 
He has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal, triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. The Bible tells us that Christ leads us to triumph. If we'll just follow after him, if we'll surrender to him fully, the fullness of surrender, the glory of surrender, if we'll do that, he will lead us to triumph. But you know what happens in our life? So many times we fight the very thing that God wants to bless us with. The very thing that God wants to bless us with, we spend our time and our efforts thinking that we know more than Him and we fight it instead of completely trusting Him. I'll bear you all the details, but there was a time about 11 years ago in our life that we had a failed adoption. And at that moment, we didn't understand God's plan. We couldn't see the other side of the garden. But there come a, a point in time that we were came, they come back to us. A chance to adopt once again. And it seemed like it was perfect, but in our hearts we said, no way. We will never go through that pain. We will never go through that pressure ever again. We've got a plan. We'll do it the way that we think it needs to be done. And that we fought the very thing that God wanted to bless us with. Even though it looked as if, it, if we were looking spiritually, we could see that God was setting it up. But in our hearts and in our minds, God, we know better. There's no way, God, that you would put us through that pressure, that stress, put us in that situation just to be hurt again. we had to have the ability to look beyond the garden. We had to have the ability to, to, to say, God, I'll take the pressure because we believe you're trying to bless us with something. And ten years ago tomorrow, God blessed us with a, a beautiful baby girl. And all the pain and all the hurt the 15 years of infertility, the, the nine, whatever it was, of, of the failed adoption, all the pain and all the hurt, all the pressure. God said, quit fighting what I'm trying to bless you with. He said, look on the other side of the garden. 